Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help us be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Right, I think you got the music on tonight. All right, all right, all right. I tell you what, Brian, we're going to have a good show tonight, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we, we have some gentlemen on. We're going to talk about some things tonight that a lot of people are just flat out afraid to talk about. But the guys that we have on tonight, Brian, they're not. And and, and you're going to hear the passion uh, in, in our voices. You're going to hear the love that we have for one another. And, and it's not bashing each other. It's just that we love each other, and we're going to do, and we're going to try to come up with a solution to our topic tonight. Absolutely, you know, and it is a very hot topic. You know, I was on Facebook today, and we had some very interesting dialogue going on on Facebook. You know, and I, I think you initially posed the question, and I posed the question again, and I got some, you know, great feedback as well. You know, so I, I think when we get started, you know, we're going to have some people really chiming in. Yeah, yeah. It, it's going to be a good show. Um, and i tell you what, you go ahead and give the, the topic for tonight, Brian. The topic for tonight is how do we reduce black inmate population? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's a very hot topic. It's and we have a topic. couple of special guests on. We have Mr. Larry Simmons. We have Mr. Gregory Ellis. And we also have with us Mr. Jacob Eton, and we're going to bring them a minute. You know, we want you to call in. We want you to ask questions. We want you to hit us on Facebook. We want you to hit us on MySpace, wherever you are. Ask questions if you if you really want to add to the dialogue. The call-in number is 718-508-9600. Again, that is 718-508-9600. And let's go ahead and bring in our guest. Let's do that. All right. We have Mr. Jacob Eton, and I believe you are at the 202 area code. Is that correct? Uh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's right. my home number, but I'm based here in Tallahassee right now. Okay. All right. And we have with us also Mr. Larry Simmons. Are you there? Larry. Okay, he's not listening. He might have muted his phone, but let's leave his mic open. I got his mic open. All right, and we also have with us Mr. Gregory Ellis. Okay, can you hear me? Yes, yes sir, sir, I can. Yes, we can okay, hear Okay, all right. I think Mr. Right. Simmons just made it back. Mr. Simmons? Yeah, I'm I'm back. I'm back. Good, good. He's back. You know, right. Hello, James. Hello, Larry. Hey, Brian. How's it going, guys? All right. No, this all is right. Greg that said that, Larry. That, that's Sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Greg. <laughs> You know, All right. this is this is let's uh, this is Greg Turner. So uh, I, I, I guess the first question is, you know, when we came up with this topic, um, it, we saw it out there, and it's something that's needed. Brian and I both go into the jails and the prisons. We go in there and we speak all the time, and no one seems to want to talk about the solution. But that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So, Brian, I, I think we can open it up with Mr. Simmons. You know, Mr. Simmons, what do you what – I know there's a lot of solutions, but what do you think uh, are the top solutions to trying to reduce these, this, 
revolving carousel door to the prison and the jail system. What do you think we can do to try to stop this? Well, th- there's a lot of fronts. Uh, speaking as a military man, there's a lot of fronts that we have to battle on. But I think I think most important, Greg, is is our young people because you know they they are the ones who who are innocent. And, and society in all kind of ways are, th- are throwing all kind of angles at them, and 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 we're not we're not living up to the test. A, a lot of our young kids or their lives are destroyed before they can even begin, and they end up in detention centers and ultimately in prison. So I think we really need to to really concentrate on our youth because they're the ones who are innocent, and I think they deserve a chance before their life is snuffed out by spinning it behind bars in some kind of way. Okay, okay. Mm. Mr. Eden? Uh, well, like, I, like Larry said, uh, it's, that it, it's, it's, a, it's a battle that needs to be fought on multiple fronts. But there are some key areas that we can focus on. And some of those key areas is, uh, for example, um, how black youth get disproportionate sentencing. Uh, that's one major problem that we have. Also is that we, we need to redirect people to from getting unnecessarily put in jail to maybe other different types of programs that help people rehabilitate themselves. Because once you have a felony, once you have a felony, it runs you into a situation where you're pretty much limited in what type of jobs and what type of opportunities you have in the future. All right, all right. And Mr. Ellis? Um, pretty much what Mr. Eaton said, but uh, it comes down to the you know, they're building prisons faster than they're building schools. Uh, you've got the system which saturates the black community, which is projected by the media as, like, we're animals. The police come down, they saturate the neighborhood. There's a more of a chance of a black person being arrested or picked up for some crime. And then on top of that, they're handing out felonies like a key. Mm-hmm. So we're, if, you're, if they saturate the neighborhoods with police, in our neighborhood, there's more of a chance we're going to catch us doing more crime. And it comes down to it's like white, white people don't do crime. It's only black people. So with them building those prisons, they're not building them to sit there empty. They're going to put somebody in it. And with them handing out felonies, especially for nonviolent crimes, they're handing out felonies like they're, like they're going out of style. And then when you get out, like Mr. Eaton said, you're, it limits your opportunity in society because you can't get a job without them doing a background check, right? Absolutely. You know, I can recall the, there was a gentleman at the place that I worked that had done some, you know, he was caught up in a, he was caught up as a victim of circumstance, actually. And, you know, he had been working for a couple of weeks or I think about maybe two or three months. And then when they finally got the results of his background check, they had to let him go, you know, because, it, it came back, and, you know, he said, well, I thought that was sealed. And, you know, it was like, well, it wasn't, so sorry, got to go. You know, and this kid, he wasn't a bad kid. He just got caught up in a bad situation. He was at the wrong place at the wrong time, and, you know, he got lumped in with the bunch. You know, but it brings me to a, another, you know, really, really pressing question, and I've had this question asked. Isn't it? I mean, isn't the reason that most of these men are in jail is because they have done crimes? So we can't, you know, I mean, we can't diminish the fact that they've done these crimes, right? I, I can't agree with that statement. Oh, absolutely. 
I mean, I absolutely agree with you that uh, what? that. No, go ahead, man. I'm sorry. Who's uh, well, who's well this is Greg. This is Greg. Look, okay. uh, when 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 our young black men get pulled over in a car from the police, the police don't they don't take the person who's perpetrating the crime. They take everybody. They paint them all with the same brush. So rather than one person who may be committing a crime or may not be committing a crime, it's everybody who's associated with that person committed the same crime. Then the criminal justice system takes it that, okay, if you don't want to take a chance and doing the full term, if you get found guilty, take this plea deal. Okay? Then they take this plea because they're young kids. They don't know any better. They feel like they got the rest of their life in front of them. They don't know them taking that plea, which probably generally comes with a felony conviction, but they get less time. They don't realize that when they come out, they've already diminished their opportunity because of that felony conviction. Now, if I, and I'm just going to give you um, a, 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 an example. Now, you know, if there's a white person and a black person and uh, in a car and a crime has been committed, the chances are the white person's going to get to go home, the black person's going to get caught to the crime. And that's how the police departments in America work today. Mm-hmm. And if you don't believe that, look at the statistics. Mm-hmm. Well, all of, all of that is true. That, that, all of that is true what, what Greg is saying. But this is the angle that, that I look at is, is, is very important. Okay, we can't do anything about the, the – I mean, we can go in and ch- change some laws and amend some things, but the law we, – we are a country that's, that's governed by laws, laws that were, were implemented by people not like us. And what we continually to do is perpetrate – uh, a self-image just destroying us as a community that puts us at risk of breaking laws that was implemented by people that don't quite understand us or, in, a, in our history, hated us. So what we're doing, we're putting ourselves at risk of being, so to speak, captured by them when we put ourselves at risk in different behaviors. And sometimes it's, it's unjust laws and then prejudice in people and racism in people that that will you know uh put you in a situation that where you're at high risk of being arrested so i think we we need to we need to change what's going on in our own lives you know in order to be able to stay out of risk of of going through what these gentlemen are describing uh, I'd like to say something real quick uh, being someone who is former law enforcement uh a lot of times with our youth they don't know how to handle themselves around, conduct themselves and handle themselves around police officers. Say, for example, that young lady in Seattle, the one that got abused by those police officers, if she just conducted herself in a different way, I mean, the cop was wrong what he did, but if she conducted herself in a different way, she wouldn't have had to go through that brutal beating. Um, and it's wrong what these officers, some of these officers are doing, but it's also incumbent on us if we know we're in a system and we know the system in America exists in a certain way that 
that can negatively impact us if we are before the law and things like that. We have to know how to conduct ourselves. The information is out there. On YouTube, I just looked up earlier today, they had a, the ACLU produced a piece talking about knowing your rights and how to deal with police officers. And that's not going to correct all of our problems when we're dealing with police officers, but the simple fact of doing things in that manner limits the chance. Uh, it, it makes it easier for you to maybe get out, get out of a conviction, to maybe you know end up with just walking away with a ticket as opposed to getting caught with possession of drugs. So, so we have to start looking at those things. And yes, it's wrong when people do certain crimes. It's wrong, no doubt, it's wrong. But we also have to look at the fact that we as a people. Uh, and especially knowing that the cops are in our neighborhood the way they are, we do not conduct ourselves in a way that can insulate and protect us. Because the same way that a lot of these white kids get out of trouble or, or other races get out of trouble, we can too, but we have to use the system in a way which already exists. But we have, to, we have to know our rights and know how to manipulate the system and how to use the system of America. Well, let me ask this. Do you guys think, uh, I'm going to ask a question that I'm going to give you an example. Do you guys think that the police officers treat blacks differently than, than they treat whites when, uh, when something has occurred? And, and for a good example, I know you guys have watched cops. I know you guys have seen uh, police officers confront blacks and whites. But it seems like when the police officers confront the whites, they're a little bit more hesitant. They're a little bit more lenient. And the 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 white person can be mouthing off and be I mean just rude, screaming and fussing at the officer, and the officer will sit there and do everything he can to try to calm this person down. When it, you know if it, the the situation was reversed and it was a black, you did that, you probably would get tased, handcuffed, thrown in jail, and and, and have so many charges. And I know you guys have seen this on television when the police officers stop a white and they get on to him and they're talking to him. They, and they're like, how dare you? What have I done? I didn't do anything. And the police officer will sit there and spend all his time trying to do his best to explain to this person what happened. But now, if that was, again, if that was the, the other way around, would it be that way? And, and I'm opening up the floor to anyone on here. Anyone wants to answer that, go ahead. Great. Can, uh, Greg, can I say this, Greg? Sure, go ahead. Greg, that, that is absolutely true, Greg, but, but think about it. Most of our cops are of the other race, you know? So it's, it's in their culture to talk back to their dad because they, they look at that as independent. They look at that as that person expressing themselves. But when you're dealing with someone outside your cultural environment, you don't, you know, and, and what the stereotypes that are going through their heads about uh, we as black men being violent. So they're going to be more on a defensive of, of a cultural uh, situation that they don't really quite understand. And with all the stereotypes or, or, or just being floated and, and saturated in our society, it's easy for people to, to respond or react, and you know, based on those uh, stereotypes, you know. Uh, I'd like to add. I'd like to add to that. Uh, uh, can you hear me? Yes. Go ahead. Uh, like, like the like the gentleman in Oakland. Now he's trying to 
be the mediator between the police and his friends. And what did he get for his effort? He's dead now. Uh, it comes down to the, the reason why Caucasians are treated with a little bit more respect is they've got better access to the system. They can get a lawyer to sue if their rights have been infringed on. Most blacks, when their rights are infringed on, they can go to a lawyer. Unless they've got a broken bone, the lawyer's going to tell them, suck it up, get out of my office. I'm not going to sue the police department because your, your feelings have been hurt. But once you get told that enough times, you're feeling like, well, you have no recourse. You have no justice. So what happens here is is that the Caucasian, whose father probably owns a company or he knows somebody or knows a lawyer who will sue the pants off the department, they're going to show that person a little bit more respect because they feel like us black folks don't have access to those institutions to make a big fuss. And what it takes in order to make a big fuss is one of us has to die. Can I, can I, um, I've had an experience when I was in high school, and my experience was this, is that I, I was walking down the street with some of my friends, and we were trying to get back home. We split up and all decided to take different ways because we were trying to race to get back home. An officer came and pulled, pulled us over on the side of the road and, and really just gave us a hard time. Now, what a lot of, a lot of us will do in that type of situation We'll just deal with it and suck it up and say, well, those are just racist cops. No, but what I did in this case and what my family did in this case is that we pushed the issue. And what you have to do whenever you're in these types of situations, something that we never do, is that when we're faced with injustice, we just suck it up. Instead of taking it, there's a there's a process. You can get that person, you can get that officer, you can get that officer, um, get a, a reprimand in his, his file. And if he gets enough reprimands in his file, some action will be taken or there will be legal action taken. So we don't create paper trails on these bad cops. We do not go and file, file paperwork when these types of things happen. Last year, for example, there was a gentleman I, um, I knew at FAMU. And what happened was with him, he, he was in a situation with some cops, and they really gave him a hard time. They illegally searched his car and things like that. And what I said to him, I said to him, I said, look, you need to go, and you have. Do you have the cops' uh, badge number? He's like, yeah, I know his name and everything. So we'll go up to the courthouse. I mean, go up to the uh, police station and file a report. File a report on this gentleman. So then there's a paper trail that's been created. And a lot of times, what we do when we have these injustices in our neighborhood, we do not follow any kind of procedure. We just let it happen, and it's almost an apathy in our communities. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to correct all of our problems, and I'm not saying that's going to um, lower these crime rates. But what I am saying is that we have to be proactive. Too many times in the black community, in our community, we are reactive and not proactive. And I see that at City Hall with different bills that are passed that are going to negatively impact our community five, ten years out, and no one's there. We have to, if we're going to control nothing else, we have to take the time to control our communities and control what goes on in our communities and that, that requires the black church, 
that requires black political leadership, hold them accountable, that requires uh, uh, student organizations, fraternal organizations, the Masons, everybody. And we do not hold our communities accountable, and that's something that we need to do. That's right. You know, I, I agree with that. interject on that also. You know, I, I think we, we kind of got a little off track of what we want to really talk about. I mean, we talk about the injustices all day long. But we need to really come up with some solutions. What are some ways, you know, and I think this was kind of alluding to the question that Greg asked earlier. What are some ways that we can stop black young black men and young black women from going to jail? Because, you know, if if you look at some of the information that um, that I know Mr. Simmons has put out there on, like, places like Facebook and so forth, we represent 20% of the Florida population, and we're talking about Florida right now, we represent 20% of the Florida population, but over half, and here in Tallahassee, Florida, we represent 76% of the inmates. Right. I mean, we're talking about a disproportion. Yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, The simple, the easiest way and the quickest way to do it, three-pronged approach. First things first, take the profits out of the prison. Okay. <laughs> next, next thing's next. Uh, uh, you need to have a better way of sentencing these nonviolent offenders, which means there has to be law changes. Okay. Third thing's third is you. The only way to keep a person from repeating and going back to prison is they've got to have an avenue to support them and their family. So if society is going to give them a stigma with a felony, then that person is not going to have any other choice but to go back to doing what he what it did or what he learned in prison to send them back to prison. Mm-hmm. I agree. What about, what about, I don't know what I can say. What about... What about at this point, what about reaching out to the younger kids now? Uh, I, I know Mr. Simmons is always doing things uh, at his job, and you know, being a social worker and, and, and helping the youth. Do you think uh, right now we need to catch the youth right now where they are, the, the younger yeah. kids? And, and I'm not saying give up on the, the teenagers, the older teenagers, right. but uh, do no. you think we need to, to create seminars and workshops to teach these kids how to deal with police officers, how to deal with anyone that's an authority, and just, just to let them know that they they are valuable, even though they're being looked down on, and so that they'll know their true value and their worth, so that they'll know that they have something to live for. Do, do you think that's a good idea for us to just reach out to these kids and try to teach them the best that we can? Definitely, Greg. That has to happen because the father is not in the home. Why? Because they're in prison. So our young kids are left vulnerable out there. I'm going to tell you just something simple that I've I seen just recently to let me know how much, how far we're behind in, in understanding how we do need to act appropriate. You know, I, I was coming out of a complex one day, and, there was, and it was like 11, 12 o'clock at night. And the kids was all in the road. They was walking in front of my car like, they didn't care, and they, their music was loud. You know, they was having a party at, at the center there. 
and and not respecting people and, and the residents there. They, they all gathered there. They had all their music loud. They were walking in front of cars. And, you know, as a black man, I wanted to call 911, you know. Uh-huh. But eventually 911 showed up. And you know what? There's, there's probably many of them or several of them ended up being arrested probably for possession of drugs or alcohol abuse, why would you congregate like that in someone else's community with your music blasting and they, and, and don't expect some type of retaliation from 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 uh from law enforcement when you when you're dirty that like the song said, riding dirty, that meaning you're riding around with a trunk full of drugs. And then you, you got your music up so high that it's against the law. Why would you cause that kind of attention to yourself? To me, that that's, we're not thinking because a lot of times we're not taught. Our kids are not being reached at an early age to teach them better sense than that. So that's just one uh, good example of how much there is a need in our community. I'd like to. I'd like to, to say something. To, to uh, take a, a stronger part in, in teaching our young people. Yeah, I would like to say something. Now, as far as um, as far as for people surviving uh, citizens, I mean, encounters with the police. There's a uh, there's a um, it's on YouTube and it's a it's a about 45 minute uh, video and it's called Busted: The Citizen's Guide to Surviving Police Encounters, and it is. Excellent. It it teaches you how to deal with police when you get pulled over by police. It teaches you how to deal with police when, you know, say for example, if you're walking down the street, it teaches you how to deal with police when you're having a party and a get-together and how you handle your party and get-together so that you do not, so you limit your access to law enforcement. Because the reason why we don't see these same types of uh, crime rates in predominantly white neighborhoods or predominantly upper-middle-class and middle-class neighborhoods is because of the amount of exposure to police officers. I was um, in a class at FAMU, and the professor asked, who's had involvement with the police, like who's been pulled over or has had has been stopped by police officers? And all the black students raised their hand. And some of these black students have been have stopped multiple times. Then the same class, the same type of class was taught over at, uh, over at, uh, over at uh, FSU, and in a predominantly white class, and less than ten percent of the class rose their hand that they've been, you know, involved with police encounters. So, what does that say? That says that yes, we do have a disproportionate amount of officers and police presence in black communities, but it also says that. Hello. Yeah, you there? Hello. Okay, yes, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, but it also says that we as a people also have to start understanding our rights and understanding what we can and cannot do when we're in these types of situations. Now, also, for these people that are going to jail and have gone to jail in the past, we also have to really seriously, we really need to seriously work on this, is that when these people get out of jail, we have to get on it about restoring their rights and getting records sealed and expunged because these types of problems prevent not only black people from gaining economic independence and being a productive member of society, but it also hurts the society as whole. 
because these people are a drain on the public resources because, you know, they're in and out of jail. It costs the neighborhood of $150,000 per inmate, and it might be more than that now, but no, it costs it's 30, it's 30 to 40000 Oh, 30 to 40000 Okay, well, thirty to 40000 That's someone's college right there. That's a college education. That's a person that could be out there being a productive member of society, generating thirty to forty thousand dollars. That's a great wage too. And and right now in the state of Florida, we have severe budget constraints. We have severe budget constraints, and yet we're playing for this prison industrial complex. And this isn't working. This system is not working. And in fact, it is catching up. It, it's, it's caught up a lot of us, but it's also starting to catch up with some white people too, and Hispanic and Asian and whoever else. But we're disproportionately affected by it. And this, this, this system is getting way too expensive, and it's becoming a drain on society because we have too many people that, I mean, right now I think it's 10% of the U.S. population that has some sort of uh, criminal record. More yeah. than Russia. Yeah, more mm-hmm. than Russia, more than China, more than communist China, more than any other nation in the world. And this is a drain on the economic system of America. And we have to change this, not only for our people, but for America as a whole. And, is, and, and so that this country can be a, a productive member of the world again. Uh, can I say something? Sure, go ahead. Can, can you hear me? Yeah, I, I think uh, you, you mentioned workshops at the beginning of this discussion. Uh, I think the best workshop to keep uh, – to be an example to the young ones and to keep our people from going back to jail is to find them a job that pays a good enough wage so that most of the time uh, you're going to be too tired to go out and do any dirt during the week because, you know, you got to get up and go back to work the next morning. That's going to be a spy example. When those kids see that you're taking care of your bills, that you're that you that you're not being harassed, that you have a good job, uh, those kids are going to generally say, "Well, I don't want to deal with this going to jail. I'm going to try as much as possible to get my high school diploma at least, maybe even go to college and try to be like this person right here who doesn't even have a high school diploma, who just came out of prison, but he's got a good job. He turned his life around. I don't need that hassle." But they can't do that because it's like going to school. They go to school for eight hours. They get out. What do they have to go out to get? When they get out of school, what do they have to go to? But hang around people who don't have a job. They have no income. Only thing they can do is lane drugs, and they're driving better cars than their mom and pop. So, so, so that's what these kids in our neighborhood see. That I don't care how many workshops you give. When they get out of that workshop, they go back to the same environment. And that same environment is going to be just as appealing before the workshop or after the workshop, and that's what they're going to—that's uh, what they're going to abstain to, is what they see when they get out of that workshop or get out of school. So, so your solution, that, yeah. So your solution to that is jobs. Jobs, good paying jobs. Not just at McDonald's. That's got to be a part of any type of program: economic empowerment in the community. And people have mm-hmm. to take advantage of them because I'm mm-hmm. telling you, as a social worker, uh, where I work, and everybody probably know where I work, but, you know, most of my clients, there's programs in place, and sometimes people do not even take advantage of them. So somehow or another, there's a disconnect there and services provided, 
and services that are being taken advantage of, you know? So there there needs to be a transformation going on in our communities to take advantage of opportunities when they're there because Mm -hmm. enough opportunities are not there Mm -hmm. a, a lot of times, but when they're there, they're not being taken advantage of, and we have to change that some kind of way uh, in this country and in our community. You know, I, I, I agree with I that, think Larry. You're, you're right on point with that, Larry. You know, I know of a program myself that um, that actually had introduced Greg and myself to going into the prisons and talking to the gentlemen, and it's a program that's not been funded ever. It's a it's a program that's been uh, been done by a nonprofit. They do it. They've been doing it with the Leon County Jail for about at least four years now. They have never been funded. They've tried to get funding each time so that they can expand the program. And the program has actually showed success with um, reducing re- the recidivism rate among the people that are in it. And it's a, co- a very comprehensive program. It deals with, you know, teaching them life skills, uh, conflict resolution, anger management, uh, how to do a resume how to balance their budget, things that most of these people who ended up in there did not know how to do or never really understood the reason why they had to do this. But, again, it, you know, it's, it's an economy to scale. They would rather spend the money on building jails and prisons versus reinvesting the money in their community because, you know, quite frankly, and I, and I actually said this earlier today, jails are a hot commodity. I mean, uh, prisons are are part of the hot commodity, and, and black, young black males are that commodity. Mm-hmm. And all they're doing is they're, it's just like if you were investing money. You invest in some young black males uh, in a negative way, and you increase the amount of the stock of your commodity. Yeah. Yeah. And as yeah. long as they keep building the prisons, of course, yeah, if they build a $100 million prison, you guarantee that they're going to put some men in there. They're not going to let it sit there and be empty. Yeah. Haven't seen an empty prison yet. Well, by, by and large, our, our our society is conservative, and and to them, social programs is not on a on a high priority list. So it's always easy to say, hey, you know, we got all these laws, these positive laws, and all these colleges out here. If they don't want to decide to do that, find it within themselves to get themselves through college, like my granddad did, like I did then they need to go to jail. So let's build a prison, okay? I mean, this this type of thinking has bankrupted this country, but this is what the thinking is. Conservative-minded people believe that that if they got all these colleges, I mean, look, we got a family is right there in the, in the black neighborhood. I mean, you can you can go from the dope house and look at family. So everybody in that neighborhood has an opportunity to walk their butt up to FAMU and register. But we won't. Some of us won't do it. For what economics, economics, Larry. Oh, economics. financial aid. And then also I look Larry, at, I look at it like going this. to college for free, dude. Come on, man. And I look at it like not this. everybody can. Not, not everybody bro. can, Larry. Not everybody can. Everybody can and not everybody's cut everybody out for college, can do too, it, Larry. Everybody. But Larry, I, Larry, everybody's not cut out for college. Um, right. I would look right. at it like this. They, that, didn't have a good, they don't have a good foundation. But it, it's more to you it than that. Some you people, can't want to uh, go to college but, if you've never had that influence. But, Larry, you've look never at it like had that too. influence. But you know what? Hey, Larry, that's true, but there's some people who just... Hold on, guys. 
In all mm-hmm. fairness, I agree with you, Jacob. Not everybody's cut out for college, but right mm-hmm. now college is the bar. That's the bar right mm-hmm. now. You go right. to the high That's school education, you're not gonna, you're not really uh, looking to make sixty, seventy thousand dollars out of high school, are you? But not right now, that's probably what you need to survive because yeah, of, not necessarily. They are not homes or anything are so well, high now. We, so you we have to take your aim high. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but there are not a, there are other options too because some people ha- are, are more skilled. Like for example, my uh, my granddaddy was a mechanic. Okay, mm-hmm. he he was not skilled. I understand that. No, no, no. There. Okay, but there are other job avenues of jobs. Like say for example, right now. Flip we're gonna be building we're gonna be building windmills, okay? There's gonna be highly skilled people that are gonna be needed to build these windmills and the service and maintenance. And, and maintenance these. They don't necessarily have to go to college, but they have to go to trade school. There are people right now soon with once this uh, these um the stimulus package um is um start to get implemented, you're gonna need jobs as welders. You're gonna need people to who can lay asphalt, you're gonna need people who are skilled in carpentry and things like that. All so what I'm saying is all these different, we, you know, there are other options too, and that we do need to develop people who are skilled as, as far as in the maintenance that, of a that society. And that doesn't if require, there, if that doesn't a require college. School, if there yeah. was a vocational school, if I, if, if, I was, if I was at a crack house and if, and if I look outside the door and see a vocational school out there, it won't do me one bit of good if my family is in disarray. I didn't have no father in the home. There's no male role models mm-hmm. around. The, the, the mom is on crack uh, or working two or three jobs and trying to do the right thing. Then when those dynamics are going on, there's, it wouldn't make a difference if, if the doggone vocational school was right next door to your house. And Larry, it's not like well, it down the door. change within our communities and our families, man. That's where it all really starts. Larry, but Larry, hold on, hold on, guys, Larry. hold on, guys, hold on, guys. We have about uh, we have a uh, probably about twenty minutes left in the show. We have a caller. We want to we want to open the lines up real quick. We'll come right back okay. to this. Brian, do you see that that seven seven zero caller? I do, and I'm going to go to that caller. Caller, you're on live. Chime in. Yes. Good evening, gentlemen. This is Minister Rosalind Jennings from the Power Forgiveness Show. Hi, Brian. Hi, Greg. How are you doing? How are you doing? Um, Great show, like like always, very informative. But I'm calling in because I'm looking for help from my brother. I'm looking for pro bono legal help in the state of Florida or the state of Georgia or the state of Pennsylvania. If anybody know anything, please contact me. That's why I'm calling in. Okay. Give them your email address if, if, if if you can. Okay, my email address is rosalindjennings at yahoo.com. I will spell it for you. That's R-O-S-A-L-Y-N, Jennings, J-E-N-N-I-N-G-S, at yahoo.com. Rosalind, what type of help are you looking for your brother? Um, I have a brother out there, first time offender, never been in trouble. Um, I just need legal help. Once you contact me, I could get more into details. You understand, okay. but um, I understand. If anybody's out there could help me, I really appreciate it. Um, I have a I, I have a comment. I would Go like ahead. To, I would like to say a lot of times it's all about our mindset. You know, how, how's your mindset and what you want out of life? You know, we we can't um. It's all about individual what you want out of life. 
you know, because a lot of us have made it, and a lot of times people feel, well, I made it, you should, you know, you can, but everybody's different. You know, it's an individual thing and what you want, but if there is opportunity out here if you want it. That's that's my comment. Okay. Amen. Brian, I think we have another caller, too. Let's go to the, the God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank so you. We have another caller from the five eight five oh five six six Brian. All right. Eight five oh chime in. Hello. Hello. Hey, how you doing, hey. brother? How you doing? You have a question or a comment for us? Uh yes. Okay. Uh yeah, um like the situation going on. Uh I think we need to get more involved in the community, like with the kids every weekend, you know, try to keep them out of trouble and try to lead the kids. You know, some of the kids don't have no discipline. And like they say, there's no fathers in the home. But every weekend, you have to get these boys and teach them discipline. And, you know, there's nobody teaching them that. So that's why they act all thuggish. They got nobody to say, you know, you don't need to be doing this this weekend. We're we going to do something, you know, productive. Take the kids out, you know, teach them, you know, teach them how to fish, teach them how to learn, how to respect their parents. And, you know, the father home, respect their mothers and stuff. That's, that's what they need. They need somebody to teach them something. You know, they're not learning anything out there on their own. You're absolutely right, sir. And, and, that's, and, that, and that's true. You, you know, I, I wanted to ask this question to, to everybody. We, we, we've looked at the police system. We've looked at the justice system. But what can we do in ourselves to to try to deter these kids from, from turning to drugs, from turning to gangs, and just absolutely acting uh, the fool and acting like a clown? What can we do to instill in them to motivate them on a day-to-day basis to be able to be competitive and, and to sit in their classrooms and do the things that they're supposed to do to be productive where they don't have to worry about all the crazy stuff that's going on out there now. They don't have to worry about, well, Daddy went to prison and I'm going to prison too. What can we do right now, today? not next week, next year, what can we do right now that we can make some type of change to deter these kids from going in that route? Because all of you, you see these kids, and we know the ones that are going in that route, that are about to do the crazy thing, that, that may have them locked up forever. What can we do right now? Greg, I think, I think that's a tall order. I'll be real, real brief. We're, we're having trouble with our college students going to class, Greg. Some of our young men in college are not going to class. I've seen it on Facebook. They 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 emailed me and told me about the situation. So definitely, we as a people, we got to, especially us Christian men, and there's a lot of them nowadays that are standing inside of the pulpit. We have a lot of great men. Come all come all out of the pulpit and let's join together and let's attack this problem from all angles. There's enough of us, but most of us leave it up to somebody else to do it all. But it's mm. going to take every one of us to come together and fight this battle on every front. We've got to be like generals, captains, lieutenants, sergeants, privates, and we got to get together and attack this. And if we don't do it that way, we'll be sitting here 10, 20 years from now talking about the same thing and, and in fact, problems gonna get worse under Obama if if we don't do what he asked us to do during the campaign. That is, change comes from the community, not from Washington. He then told us that it's gonna have to come from us, 
And if we fail to listen to that message, we are doomed. And I'll let somebody else talk. Uh, my answer to this, is, uh, uh, Greg, is stop letting stop letting the TV be the babysitter. Stop letting the video game be the babysitter. Pull them out of that TV, out of that fantasy world that doesn't even exist, and start explaining to them that there's it's, that's that's not real. The real world is out there. And either you're going to master it or it's going to master you. Mm. And unfortunately, our young, young kids, they think, it's, they think the real world is TV or a video game. And it's not. Not even close. That's the start. That's Because that's the, I'm quite sure uh, all of us here, when we were growing up, uh, geez, we'd be lucky if we had a TV. Mm. And look how we turned out. So I think that's the easiest way. To, to, to start getting the children on the right path is bringing reality to them. They don't see reality, but what they think is on TV, and they think that is reality, and it's not. You don't see black women walking around and uh, taking it. Hello? Hello? Okay. You don't see black women taking their behinds all day long in the real world, but all of a sudden in the last two years, that's all you see now from our, 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 our black sisters. They're watching too much TV. They think that's the real world. And it's not. You don't see, I mean, there's, there was a time where people wore their pants over their behind. But all because you see, they see a bunch of rappers do it or, or gangbangers do it. They think that's the real world, and it's not. We have to put that reality back in the youngster's mind. This is not how it is. And the only way I can see doing that is turn that TV off and give them a book. Don't let them run the street. Yeah, I, I would say go along with that. I mean, we have to, as people, have to get more serious. And that's and I, I feel that it's, it's a lack of leadership. Not everyone's built up to be a leader, but it's a lack of leadership. And I will say it's a lack of leadership at our church. There's a lack of leadership at our community leaders. There's a lack of leaders. It's us on an individual basis is that we're, we are letting others and we're letting the mass communication set the standard of how it is to be black, of how it is to act, of how it is to that 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 uh, that a person that who who goes to jail has more social higher social standing in our, a lot of our communities than someone who went to college, uh, and we're letting we're letting society as a whole dictate to us what it is to be black. So we as a people have to get serious. We as a people have to say these types of behaviors will not be tolerated, and I feel that that's a major problem. Marking actually, I think that is the, the most important problem in our communities because we as a people aren't serious. I agree. And, and you know, that's true. That's true. I, you know, I, I want to add something to that too. I think that we have to be better examples because right now what we show our kids, it, the examples that we that we have out there for our youth aren't necessarily the best. Uh-oh. Hello? Still here, still here. Uh, I think the examples that we that we have out there for our youth, or what our youth considered examples 
for what they should be when they grow up aren't necessarily the ones that we want to portray. You know, when you ask a kid what do they want to be when they grow up, over half of the responses now are rappers. You don't even hear them talk about being basketball or football players as much anymore. You hear a couple of them trickle that in. And when I ask them, okay, so what are you going to do besides that? And they have no clue. They think, and they still think to this day, that the best opportunity they have is to grab a mic and spit about who they're going to kill and who they're going to bust and, you know, who's going to be their next busted baby and all that old crap. Or mm-hmm. I, can run the fo- I can run the football, I can throw, I can hit, I can shoot. Nothing else. Yeah. You know, it's so refreshing. I, I actually prefer asking young ladies what they want to be when they grow up because they have a clue. They don't look at sports or rapping. They look at real jobs. They look at real opportunities. And it's sad because the men are supposed to be the leaders. But it's been twisted now. I mean, and, and Greg knows, I talk about this all the time. It's as if slavery is not over. It's like a mental slavery now. Now we lock ourselves up in our own minds because we don't think we can do any better. Our moms and our, most of our mothers protect the sons and put the daughters out there and tell them, be strong. And and protect the sons and make them weak. Yep, agreed. Well, let me but also this. on the flip side, the prison industrial system gets to claims a lot of us brothers too. So I look at it like this: is that this prison issue is a crucial issue if we are to be a serious people, and if we are to be in a situation that is a positive situation that and that we can achieve as much as anyone else has achieved in American society and be an integral part in that is that we have to address this issue because this issue is not only hurting our community, this issue is hurting America, this issue is hurting other communities because other people, other communities are are falling to the same traps we have. Our community is the bellwether community of America. If our community fails, eventually this will spill over to other communities. Yes, and that's true. Let me say this. We've said a lot of things that we don't see in our communities. We've said a lot of things that uh, our our kids are not doing. We said a lot of things in our communities that, as adults, we're not doing. Okay, they know that. Everybody on here, we all agree that there's a lot of things that's not being done. They hear this all the time. But let's talk about something that they can do. Let's talk about what these children can do in the future that they that that. We don't have to say, well, I see them on the corner all the time. They, they, they know that. They've heard that before. Let's talk about, well, I want to see you sitting in a chair in some type of junior program, some type of lawyer program, or, or, or you going in to try to be your own CEO, or you can do this and you can do that. We don't need to beat them over the head with what they can't do and what they haven't been doing. We need to go to these kids and let them know what they can do. They already know and heard so many times what they can't do. I think as far as when we go in and we talk with these kids, we need to change our message. Greg, can I can I can I say something on that? Sure, sure, go ahead. It, it's easier said than done. Being with with the background I've have, I've I've worked with a lot of kids who, you know, at risk kids. A lot of kids that have been court ordered in in a program or what have you. And what I've seen so many times, Greg, and I see it in, in my work all the time. Mm-hmm. That the kids that are experiencing a lot of problems, there's some there's some mental and emotional hurt 
a lot, and, and, you know, until you until we address that grassroots issue, and that's what's going on inside of them. Uh, a lot of these kids are being molested now, so you know they 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 have rejection. Their, their father is not in their lives. Sometimes these men are rejecting their children, disowning children because they don't want to pay child support, or because uh, him and the and the and the mother don't get along. So he, he just rejects everybody because he don't want to pay that child support. He's mad because and these are angry inside. And they are bitter, and they are rebelling against society. Until we reach, unless we, until we reach them there, Greg, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna have a hard time, you know, teaching them these good things. Okay. True. True. You know, you know I, I, and I, and I, I absolutely agree with you, but that does not mean that we don't. We got to start somewhere. It doesn't we, mean that we, we just don't do it at all. You know what I mean? We got to uh, do Greg, it. Greg, yes. Look, it's 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 real simple. Rather than out going out there and getting them the latest Xbox game, simple. Go out there Nothing and buy them. Nothing simple. Well, that's real. You're true. That's true. Go out there and buy them a chemistry set or a microscope or a telescope or something something that they can learn something or apply their mind to that they may like. They may like doing it. But no, we'd rather go out there and get them a video game because that's what they want. So sometimes we, we as parents have got to tell them, no, that's what being a parent is. They have to start learning at a young age that there's going to be some disappointment in life. And they're going to be told no, and they're going to start learning now how to rise above it. They don't want to do that nowadays. Nowadays they want they want it quick and easy any way they can. And as long as they have that mentality, they'll be going to prison, coming out, going back to prison. You know, and, and you're right, but here's the problem. Who's going to be there to teach them? Because I can tell you, I've, uh, I've been over in the projects working with youth, and I've, I've coached them on football teams. I've talked to them when I do my seminars and my workshops and stuff like that. And the one thing that I've learned is that these kids respond more to me than they do their parents. But I can't do it all. When they see me in the street, they say, hey, Mr. Brian, how you doing? Now, before they were saying, hey, yo. <laughs> now they say, hey, Mr. Brian, because they know who I am. But they're only going to give respect to those who give them respect. And they feel like nobody respects them. Because nobody gives them that type of discipline. And you got to think about it. When they're in the street and they see a drug dealer, a drug dealer's not going to say, call me Mr. Whoever. They're going to say, my name, Roe, or whatever they call themselves nowadays, you know. And I think what has to happen is that we have to re-educate. And I've been chiming on this same thing all day. We have to re-educate ourselves and our youth to uh, a whole new level of thinking and understanding about who they are and who we are. Because a lot of times we'll perpetuate the stereotype ourselves. And then we wonder why our kids are screwed up. You know, one thing that I've done with my kids is that they've been involved in, in music. They've been playing instruments from 
age three and a half and four and a half. And I keep them involved in music. My wife won't let them stop. You know, they keep asking, Daddy, can we stop? Nope. <laughs> Daddy, can we stop? Nope. Because I know that's something else. Now, they have the video games and they have the other stuff that most kids don't get to enjoy because, you know, God has blessed us that way. But what I've always thought about is the fact that i got to keep them into something that will keep their minds stimulated and motivated. And for us, music has been that thing. So we got to find something that these kids will be will want to do and will do. And we got to we got to we got to we got to catch them deep inside of themselves. It, it's got to be something deep inside of them that we have to tap into. And so far we haven't quite done it yet, but we're working on it though. Yes, we are. I want to say a simple thing. I just posted it on my my on my my I'm mean, sorry, my Facebook account. And it's 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 that know your rights uh, seminar. It would really come in handy to for for a lot of young youth to see this, and it it, it can help keep many of us out of trouble and and keep us out of a and change our situation when dealing with the law. But and because I mean, from having a law enforcement background, I've seen so many of us get themselves in trouble just for the simple fact is that they did not know how to conduct themselves around police. Yes, and that that and that is that that's the education part, and I think that's something that's needed in 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 the communities. Uh, it can start in the, in the high church. schools, in the yeah, churches, it, yeah, it can start in the community it can, centers. It can start anywhere. I mean, I think as men, we don't reach out to men like we should. We don't because we've been taught for so long. You're hard. You deal with your own problems. But I think when we see uh, our, our younger kids or younger uh, boys and girls on the streets, we can speak some type of life into them, say something positive to them instead of, boy, pull up your pants and do this. No, speak something else in him besides that. And I think we need to uh, be a little bit more patient with them because you're not these kids, you're not going to iron fist them and, and make them do what you want. That's not going to happen because they'll shut mm-hmm. you out. That's mm-hmm. definitely not going to, you're not going to reach them like that. So we have to reach these kids where they are. We have to allow them to do certain things that we may not like so we can get in there. We have to have that strategic plan that once we get in and gain their trust, we can speak some or say some things that will change that kid's life. Well said. Yes. We're, we're, we're running down with time. Brian, was there anything else that you had? We're, we're right at um, a minute left. You know, I just want to thank everybody for coming on. You know we got to do another show about this because I'm yeah. sure everybody didn't get an opportunity to talk about everything they wanted to. But, you know, again, this is a hot topic. And, you know, a little time, you know, I want to say this to our listeners. Sometimes we get a little heated, uh, you know, when we're talking, but it's just that just shows the passion that each one of our guests tonight has for this issue and this topic because I know I have a great passion for it because, I love youth, and I love dealing with them. You know, we want to thank everybody again for coming on, and, you know, please send this out to your friends so that everybody will hear and know what's going on so they can also get involved. Uh, Brian? Yes, sir. Uh, that that person who needed that help, why don't you uh, try to send her uh email to uh, me or Larry, and I'm quite sure one of us can probably find her the help she's looking for. Okay, will do. And with that being said, You've been listening to the Abundant Solutions. I'll please join us on Monday 
where we'll have another great and exciting show. Good evening, and God bless you all.